questions. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on the time of day you are listening to us. Welcome to Inspire Heard. Uh, we are here to inspire you in uh, every aspect of your life. I'm Stacy Fleece. I'm here with Jennifer Tavani and Samantha Tredelius. Uh, we welcome you to this episode. We are fortunate today to have a guest with us today. I want to introduce you to Leslie Smith. Leslie Smith, I've known for probably 40 plus years. Um, I know it's weird to say that. I, I see that look on your face. It is weird to say that. Um, and Leslie is uh, just your standard issue badass, um, but probably the most secret badass I know. She, uh, she has a, an amazing primary career in the STEM world, which we'll talk about a little bit, but she also has a very unique and amazing secondary career in athletics, which has become a big deal. Women in, uh, women in uh, positions within athletics that they have not been able to secure in the past, and that's growing, and, and Leslie is a, on the forefront of that too. So welcome, Leslie. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for me. Glad to be here. Uh, start, uh, start us off with a little bit about your background, sort of uh, your, your educational background, your professional background, how you got into uh, your engineering world that you continue in today. Certainly. So... I think is deciding what I wanted to do in school. I told my dad I didn't want to do anything that had to do with writing. I hated to write. He said, kid, for whatever you have to do, you're going to have to write. But I, I wound up getting a scholarship in the dual degree engineering program at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. And I said, you know, engineering sounds pretty cool because I don't like to write. And it combines math and science, which I do like. So off to Atlanta. I headed to uh, major in mathematics, and then I went to Georgia Tech and got a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. And when I decided that wasn't enough, I wanted to, you know, everyone was getting bachelor degrees, and I wanted to do something to set myself apart from everyone else, so I decided to go to grad school. And I always had this fascination with the bionic man. I wanted to build the bionic man, so... Um, so I got into bioengineering and I didn't make, I didn't do bioengineering as an undergrad because a lot of recommendations I got from people was to, to get a degree in one of the more established engineering disciplines and then specialize later. So that's what I did. So I spent plenty of time on the East coast. And I wanted to work my way back to the West coast and wound up at the university of Washington because I refused to pay to go to grad school and they were willing to pay. So I got my master's degree in bioengineering, and then I wound up, um, it took a little pause, I was a little burned out, but my first position was at, uh, with, with Fluke, and they make electronic instrumentation. So it certainly wasn't in the medical field, but it was an instrumentation project, which is what I'd worked on in grad school for my, my master's thesis. And I spent 22 years at Fluke working on all types of instrumentation, more specifically for the network industry. So we had all types of troubleshooting equipment that I built test systems for to test products as they went through the manufacturing process to make sure when the customers got them, everything worked properly. Uh, company went through some changes and I started thinking about what do I want to do when I grow up? I kind of was feeling stagnant, was looking for the next challenge, looking for a shorter commute because I had a 34 mile commute, traffic in Seattle sucks. 
<laughs> so I said, maybe this is my time to get into the medical device industry. So started looking for some positions. Former colleague of mine was working at Phillips Healthcare and I wound up with a position there. So I've been at Phillips just a little over three years now working on their AEDs or automatic external defibrillators. So, and doing a similar role. And now actually slightly changed. I'm specifying requirements for test systems and we're partnering with someone to actually do the, the test system development. So, so that was kind of my, uh, I, I say I did the, uh, the, the school tour. Well, that's, the, wow. that's getting close yeah. to the bionic man, though. <laughs> you, you, you've, uh, you've made it a step closer to the bionic man. Although I do remember having a conversation with you in our 20s about how you were eventually going to have to leave college. That there was going to come a time where you could not be a student. Um, As, and I, I did consider getting my PhD. And I think because it was in some... Uh, my situation with my my advisor turned sour, and and I, and I think too I was just kind of burnt out, and I couldn't see what I was going to do. I didn't want to teach, didn't want to teach, but I wanted to to work on things. So I said, you know, this is this is enough. So it's wow, clearly an underachiever. I just that's amazing what you've accomplished. Thank already. you. Yeah. And I want to add that my dad was right because I spend, particularly my new job, I spend more time writing, writing manufacturing plans, electrical test plans. Oh. So it All sucks. Right. Props to Chuck. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to date us a little bit now, but you know, we were, we were in undergrad in the late eighties, grad school in the nineties. Um, what, and I, I, I would like to think it's different now, but tell me what it was like being a woman and especially a woman of color in the engineering field and academics 30 years ago. Well, you know, I went to a historically black college. And so at that time I was with community. So it wasn't in, I was with, with community. And then when I got up to Georgia Tech, I found community. So I had the people who I had um, gone to undergrad with. So I had community and I would get together with them and study. Although there was one thing that we really needed. So at Georgia Tech, one of the things we learned was a lot of the professors used, gave the same test that they'd been giving for 20 years and they called it Word. So you needed to get access to Word. So I needed to broaden my community. And I connected with a guy that was in the ZBT fraternity and he and I became fast friends and they had they had word so so it was just kind of spreading my wings but I never felt I don't know and I grew up in a predominantly white community so I just it was just my world and I also grew up my mom always told me I had to act better be better do better because people would never think that I could so it was it wasn't any, ever anything different to me it's just what I did but to be able to, to make those strides and, and do what you've done is just, it's remarkable. And, and I love your mother's statement about, you know, because nobody thought you could and you were like, I'll show you, I'm doing it. <laughs> I certainly am. Uh, I like challenges. That's, that's for sure. So um, going after things and, and just trying to, to trudge through and every once in a while you, you hit a roadblock and you don't think you're going to make it. I think I had a, had a meltdown in grad school <laughs> and a good friend of mine at the time drug me away from, from stuff. I was like, no, I don't have time to go. I've got all these things to do. And, 
And he was like, no, you need a break. So, so having, you know, having that community that can recognize when you need to step away and, and learning that sometimes when you step away, it allows you to kind of clear your mind and get that clarity to approach problems from a different direction. Cause sometimes I just go, 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 go. Totally. So the industry that you're in and where you're at currently, is it predominantly a male field? Oh, absolutely. How many uh, women work in your, on your team? Um, you know, actually, on the new team I'm on, let's see, my boss is a woman. Uh, and there's two other, two other women on my team. Although, I guess one is kind of an engineer and one isn't. One's more, yeah, one isn't. But there's, there's so I guess there's four of us on our team. Um, how big is the team? God, how big are we? There's about eight of us, eight or nine of us, I think. Mm-hmm. So as so, you spent the time in the industry, are you noticing more women coming in at higher levels and being, you know, more involved or is it still kind of the same old, same old? You know, one of the things that has, was very apparent when I started at Phillips was they seem to have a commitment to promoting women. Um, Great. That, that was well, very... Phillips, one of our new favorite companies. <laughs> right? <laughs> So at, at all levels, there seemed to be a lot of women. So I think in my old, kind of in my old role, if you went up, there was a woman who was about two, two levels up. There's just, there's a lot of women in a lot of predominant roles. And so you can see that that was, that's something that Phillips is very committed to. And um, so that's nice. We've heard a lot about, you know, I would say over the last, I don't know, five, 10 years, but uh, certainly over the last five, a lot of focus on, promoting STEM, particularly for young women, and how do we, how do we get more young women into STEM careers? Um, what do you think of some of the initiatives there, and are you seeing the impact of that? That's a really good question. I can't say that I could, I'm not really aware of the impact, but I try and stay involved. The University of Washington has been reaching out to me for several years, and I'm always very happy to volunteer my time to speak with um, with their STEM students, particularly their, uh, their minority science and engineering students, um, students who are first generation going to college. And to me, I've always, even when I was I, in kind of my transition from grad school to job, I worked at the UW recruiting minorities into the engineering programs. And to me, one of the things that I think we really need to do is start earlier because I think once they get in high school, it's almost too late. I think they become discouraged that they can't do it. And I try to relate to anyone that I speak with that it's going to be tough. I cried tears over junior high algebra. I remember sitting down with with friends and we, we had a method of doing it, but I think getting to them early and trying to help them get tools to, to conquer some of these, these challenges and, and just continue to do that. I was, I spoke with the group last, I guess it was last month. And someone asked if it was hard and I said, yeah, it's hard. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, but anything worth having is, is worth doing. It's worth going through those challenges because when you, when you achieve, it feels great. You're like, I, you can see that you did it and you know that you can do it. So I, so there are programs and they're doing things, the Society of Women Engineers, National Society of Black Engineers, they, they also have programs where they are talking to students in high school in those demographics and working with them. And um, so 
and so I'm sure that's making a difference. I haven't seen it within my own little small, small world, but I'm sure it is making a difference. I do think there's something to getting to them early and, and making sure they have some early success. Um, I, I can speak a little bit from experience with my daughter, who, of course, you know, um, who always, you know, consistently said, well, I'm not good at science. I'm not good at math. And, and she didn't really have those teachers that encouraged her that she could do better. And now she's in high school. And um, some of this is COVID related because of course we've been, you know, locked in for a year and she's watched a lot of Netflix and she's binged on a lot of things like we all have. And after 16 seasons of Grey's Anatomy and getting an A in chemistry, she's now totally shifted her focus of what she thinks she wants to do in college to the science and medical industry. I, she is a, she's a product of Grey's Anatomy. I cannot make that up. So, I love uh, you know, whatever it takes. But I do think for her, too, it's been that she has a very strong teacher in, uh, you know, in her chemistry teacher uh, the last couple of years that has all of a sudden made her realize that maybe she is good at chemistry and maybe she is good at math. And, um, you know, it's, it's been, as a mom, we can say that, but they don't listen to us anyway and they don't believe us. But um, to finally get that, that kind of mentor and teacher that, that put that confidence in her that she could do it, and then 17 seasons of Grey's Anatomy on top of it, and uh, we have our potential next uh, medical professional heading off to college in another couple of years. But I also think that a lot of these schools and, you know, at the, at the base level, this should be part of their curriculum. And a lot of them are bringing in these social and emotional toolboxes for these. I mean, my daughters are in fourth and second grade and they're learning, you know, different types of ways of processing different things. But I think if the schools brought in more of this, you know, reinforcement for these young women and men, I think would be really great, um, you know, to help them. Cause I mean, you don't know anything when you're, you know, a senior in high school, getting ready to get out there. I mean, I remember there was no, here's the way it was kind of like, where do you want to go to school and what do you want to do? And everybody chose business. Cause that was what we all thought we wanted to do. And, you know, here we all are. Um, but I think it's fascinating that you're out there and, and meeting with these groups and, and sharing your story with these young women, because I think to see someone that's successful that they can relate to is special and, and it moves them. Um, just like Stacy's daughter's being moved by, you know, watching Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, and Mer Meredith Grey has a big impact in my household right now. That's fine, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. I'm good with it. And Jen, well, it goes, it, it goes along the lines of building confidence in young women. How do yeah. we do that and at what time do we need to start? Obviously, we need to start day one, the moment they're born, you can do this. Yes. But it has to be done in such a way that the confidence isn't, um, like a false confidence. I think sometimes we, there, there's are women that we think are confident, but are really not confident inside. We need to, to build women that are confident from the inside out. And I think that's something great that you're doing, Leslie, is, is really helping to prove to other young women that these things are possible. It takes hard work and dedication as, you know, anything that you want to do well does. Um, and you have to move outside your comfort zone to get there. And um, it's, that's amazing. Thank you. Well, and I do think when you say we need to do that, it is we the village, because as parents, we can say it to our kids and um, 
you know, a lot of times I get, well, you have to think that because you're my mom. Right. Um, so they do need to hear it from others and they do need to, you know, we, there's been a lot of chatter lately about representation, right? You have to be able to see somebody that, that mm -hmm. looks like you, that, that has the same background as you, that, that um, brings something different to the table in a position that you don't normally see that in. So, uh, you know, around the whole Kamala Harris thing, right? We've, we've heard a lot about that, the representation. Um, mm -hmm. So, Leslie, I think you, uh, being who you are, being a woman in a very male-dominated industry, being a woman of color in a very male-dominated industry, and being that representation for a lot of women coming up behind you is a big deal because their mothers have been saying it, I'm sure. But to have you say it and you being already in that role, that uh, I think for our young women and men, but let's focus on the young women and the confidence we need to give mm -hmm. them, I think that has even more of an impact. And, you know, sadly, as a mom, I want to have more of an impact, but she does need to hear it from others. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I coached track for a long time and I was a believer in the kids need to hear it from different sources. So even the, because someone will say it in a way that they understand, you may not say it in a way that they understand it. And that was one of the things we found with with coaching some of the boys, we were trying to tell them something, but we would go to some of the male coaches and say, well, how would you say this to a boy? And so I think it's, I think it's similar with the kids is, as you say, you know, you're not, I still don't listen to my mom, though. I'm, I find myself going, yeah, my mom's right. <laughs> I listen to your mom. I, I will always listen to your mom. But hearing that message from different people, I think reinforces and I think helps build the confidence because yeah, because it's mom. But so so I'm just trying to do my thing and, and give back because, you know, someone gave to me. It's how we build up the next generation and hopefully spread that growth to people, you know, need, just needed to hear that message from different people. Absolutely. So I, I read a little about you and I know you're also doing another amazing thing for, for women. Um, you are a referee and you referee for, uh, is it just high school or do you referee for uh, college level as well? Because it's very male dominated. Um, and so, you know, that's a, that's a tough one. Referees get a bad rap anyway, no matter what sport you're playing or what you're refereeing. I always see people yelling at the referees. So to be a woman in that position yet again shows our young women that you can do anything. Yes. So I referee boys and girls high school and I do men's, I mean, women's, I, I did men's junior college for a couple of years, but I do women's college from all the community college all the way up to division one. And certainly it's male dominated. I think not as much, I'm not sure the ratio I think isn't as disparate at the upper levels, the division, the division one in the collegiate levels, but certainly in high school. And I, I don't know, like, uh, I got talked into uh, accepting the nomination for president and somehow I got elected president. <laughs> but one of the things I've noticed, well, and I should say for years since about 2014, in the Seattle area, we had two officiating associations. We had one association that provided officials to all levels of women's basketball and, and the same for all levels of men's basketball. And since about 2014, I just kind of noticed this, there was something not right with the girls' varsity list, the officials that we, that were at the varsity games. And we just didn't seem to have the strength that that list once had, and I couldn't put my finger on it. 
And as I continued to garner bigger collegiate assignments and, and a schedule, people would ask me, why are you still working girls high school basketball? And I said, I work it because I want the girls to see women working girls basketball because there aren't anybody. And there's not a lot of women of color working girls basketball. Um, so I've been trying since about 2014, I've been trying to figure that out. And then trying to think, I joined the boys side about six years. So about in 2001, and I had started working college games and I really joined the boys side to challenge myself and to get better. And one of the things that I hate is dealing with coaches because mm -hmm. I'm very, I'm very much an introvert, <laughs> but that's, it's been a big challenge for me. So I joined the boys side to do that. So now being president, I'm trying to figure out where are the women going? Cause we don't have very many, I think, on our girls varsity list, we have less than five women. Um, I've worked the games, but I, I wasn't ranked because I just, I can't get enough games in. So that's a concern of mine. I mean, it's not and like you don't have a million other things going on in your life. So there's that. I know. Yeah. I see, you know, I think by day I work and by night I do basketball. So, and so, and the other challenge we're fighting is, is young people of color, young people and young people of color on our list. We've, We've got a lot of veterans. We've got people who've been refing since for probably over 30 years. And then there's the younger generation and there's this, there's been this divide. And so taking an initiative to try and bridge, bridge this divide. So that's my, my next project I'm working on. Uh, actually, I have a big, I don't know if it's a big presentation, but I'm having, I call it a fireside chat with the Prez coming up to, to garner assistance from the membership to try and grow these areas because we can't do this for forever. And one of the, the cool, crazy things that I'd never really thought about, people said, we get older, but the players we officiate stay the same age. I'm like, oh my God, it is so true. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. Leslie, you had mentioned um, that someone had helped in, inspire you as a young woman. And I think now you're paying it forward and doing the same thing for these other young women. Who was that person for you and how did they inspire you to become this woman that you are today? Ooh, good question. Um, God, you know, probably, you know, probably, I guess the folks, you know, my, you know, my mom, the expectation was, you know, they set the bar. They, it was, it wasn't, are you going to college? It is, you are going to college and you are going away to school. You're not staying home. So um, so they, they kind of set the bar for what I was supposed to do. And I just kind of have done what I've always supposed to do. Um, certainly inspired by my dad, because I think he's super logical about everything. And, and I aspired, I aspire to be like dad when I retire. So, so probably, yeah, probably the folks, cause they just, they set the bar. This is what you're going to do. What was that one moment that you realized, hey, you know what, I have a voice and I can help women like that were in my shoes at, at the stage, you know, like I'm involved in a lot of philanthropy myself. And so there, there was definitely that moment where I was like, okay, you know what, like I could do this and I can help people. What was that moment for you? What yeah, when was like? that moment that you realized you should no longer be a secret badass? Yes. And be out loud about it. Well, I, I can't say that I'm out loud about it, but I certainly... I've, and it might have been kind of my transition from grad school to working. I didn't, I needed a job. I just needed to make some money. And 
the minority, minority science and engineering program that I had been involved with in grad school, they had an open position. And that's kind of where I started doing the recruiting. And I think, and I think that's where I, it showed me the need to give back. And so um, I guess I, I haven't ever actively done it, but whenever someone reaches out to me, I'm like, oh, heck yeah, I want to do it. So I actually, this group I spoke with back in January, when I got done, I said, hey, if there's anything else you ever need from me, just reach out. And they did. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so in about two weeks, I'm going to be giving a presentation on my job you know, to, I think it's some high schoolers. And, and then they said, can you give us, um, can you send the presentations on the 23rd? And they want me to send uh, my presentation to them on the 18th. And I'm like, wasn't planning to have it. I was going to work on it on the weekend beforehand because I have a presentation I'm giving on the 18th. <laughs> so, but just, I guess, just, I guess putting myself out there in that way to be available to them has become very important. And I think mainly because I struggled, people look at all the degrees that I have and everything I've done. And it was a struggle. I was not the smartest kid to me. Um, and when I was in engineering school, uh, there was this guy we would go see, we called him soul. Soul was so tight that we had one class, there were two tests and a final. And he was taking probably five classes of strictly engineering credits, which is crazy. And he attended school and took the first test and then he went on vacation. And then he came back. <laughs> That's not really where I would choose a vacation, but okay. He came back to, um, to our study group before the second test and we taught him everything we knew. And by the end of the day, he was teaching us. So, so I just want to tell everyone that I, I've done all this, but you, if you work at it, you can do it. Because they just, you know, they see all this and they go, well, it must have been easy. You must be smart. And I'm like, no, I work my ass off. And so it's just important to know that if you, that the hard work pays off. It doesn't pay off instantly. But over time, you know, you're going to have this aha moment and do it. So it's, it's just kind of solidified to tell my story that it's you know not everyone's a soul but there's a lot of people who are Leslie and, and it can be done well I think you're a complete amazing like just I bow down and I can't thank you enough for taking time with us this morning to just chat about your story and you know I I, I didn't know anything about um you know refereeing and women and their presence in refereeing and so that's been really kind of I really enjoyed learning like what you're doing to put yourself on, put us on the map there um, as women. So thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah, it's really great. Uh, just to close up today, this is Inspired. We uh, are so proud that uh, Leslie Smith could join us and inspire all of us to do better, be more and keep at it. Um, so girls, if you're listening out there, uh, make sure that uh, you listen to these words of wisdom because hard work does pay off, as we can see. And uh, Leslie, keep keep going out there. Keep fighting the good fight for all of us women and, and women of color, uh, especially uh, in men's dominated worlds. This is great. So um, we just want to thank you very much. And uh, this is Jennifer Tavani, Samantha Tredelius, and Stacey Fleece uh, from Inspired. You can find us at uh, samanthatredelius.com, tovaniehair.com. Uh, Stacey Fleece is going to have uh, her website soon. 
what's it called again, Stace? MortgageSavant.com? MortgageSavant.com. All right. And Leslie, do you have a tag that people can uh, reach you at? I do not. I'm on, uh, I don't even know what my handle is on, on all my little social media <laughs> sites. <laughs> but I guess if anyone has questions about anything, lboogie.smith at gmail.com. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's all get out there and be inspired.